0: Welcome to Making the Jump with Richard Olberger, PhD in Clinical Psychology, and me, Lorenda Phillips, Master Certified Coach, and we are your co-hosts. Our guests are elite athletes offering their story and advice uh, that is entertaining, authentic, and relevant. Uh, they've walked in your shoes, so we'd love to welcome today, Stefan Cleveland, and I. I've got a little bio for him, so hold on.
1: Oh, read it out! I can't wait. I'm so can't excited. Wait. I mean, so excited. you know, especially hearing about his journey from playing at Dartmouth and uh, for all the athletes out there that play ivy league and wonder can you make it to the pros can you go and play abroad you know a young man who's who's done it all so
0: yeah okay then so stefan cleveland he was born and raised in dayton ohio and attended the miami valley school he studied mechanical engineering at dartmouth uh, and was a goalkeeper for them after dartmouth he had a fifth year of eligibility right and so uh, he bat, began an MBA and played soccer at the University of Louisville. But he didn't finish because he was drafted on to the Chicago Fire uh, and played there for three years. And then he was uh traded to the Seattle Sounders. I think they're doing pretty well this year, too, uh, where he's currently playing. Um recently he began a master's in data analysis in his free wow. time. What the heck, right? So I really want to talk about that too. Uh, without any further ado, we're gonna bring Stefan Cleveland in. Hey Stefan. Hey, how's it going,
2: guys?
1: It's
0: good. Thank you. Great to meet you in person and face nice to, meet to face. You too.
1: <laughs> 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 as close to face to face as is safe, Lorinda. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. So thanks so much for joining us today. We got lots of questions for you. Are you ready to go?
2: I'm ready. Okay, yeah. I, got, I, got uh,
0: one. I got one. Well, I, I just want
1: it. to say on a personal um, note, thank you, Stefan. I mean, your journey is inspiring. I'm a, I'm a basketball guy, but I have a son who's a senior in high school who's looking at Dartmouth and talking to uh, Coach Bo over there. And he's a bright guy like yourself. Uh, as I see, you keep seeking additional degrees when you're not catching uh, balls from going in the net. So, <laughs> so i be yeah. excited to pick your brain
2: about your process. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I, best of luck to them. Uh, I mean, I know it's a great, It was, it's an exciting journey for everybody. It's definitely something that, you know, you look back on the college process and deciding colleges and everything. And it's, you know, you you never, you only have it once in a lifetime. So.
0: That's right. It's great that you appreciate it too. It's fantastic. Oh yeah. Um, now some people, I did some research, some people say that the goalie position is the hardest position in soccer. You know, why do they say that? What's your point of view about that? You know, why not just start right now and get that
1: one out? (laughs) I think. (laughs) The most pressure, right?
2: Yeah, I think there's a lot of pressure on on the goalkeeper. Uh, because, you know, as a, any other position on the field, um, you get a lot of touches on the ball. You make a mistake, there's always somebody behind you. Uh, and for a goalkeeper, if you make a mistake, there's oftentimes not somebody behind you. Um, and, <laughs> When there is, it's great. But if you make a mistake and give up a bad goal or something, you may not touch the ball for another five minutes. So you ju- you just get in your head. Um, and I think mentally, it is definitely one of the toughest positions. It's it's very similar to like tennis or you know other individual sports because it's while you're in a team sport, it's a very individual position. Uh, and I think it's it's a good blend of the two uh, because you kind of get a little bit of both sides, but there's also difficulties to it as well.
0: Okay. Yeah. I, I just, um, you know, I think that it's, uh, you've got to know, you're, you know, you've got to be capable of things, right? you you got to know uh, how to do it but there's also the mind p- part of it that's uh i think even like as you said even more important in some way to keep especially if you get let that goal go then like keep still keep in the game of it right
2: oh absolutely because it is it is uh i my the biggest step that i took in my soccer career was you know reading mental strength books and acknowledging how important the men- mental strength aspect is because it is is very easy to create an avalanche of mistakes. And that is, you cannot have that in the position because it is, you need to be reliable. And that's one of the reasons why for soccer players, sometimes the mid twenties or the twenties are oftentimes like the peak of a lot of players' careers, but it's late twenties, early thirties, even in the, like goalkeepers can play in the mid or late thirties. Because it's not quite as physical of a position, but it's much more of a mental position, and it's it's understanding the game and understanding reactions are a big part of it. But you know, knowing the positions and, and understanding the decisions that you have to make and making them on time and just the consistency of it. The consistency is the biggest thing because it doesn't matter if you can you know pick one out of the top corners if you let one between your legs. Um, it's you need to you need to be able to make all the saves that you're expected to make, and then. You know if you can pull one out of the corners to save your team in the 90th minute or whatever like fantastic that puts you over the edge but the first step is is being reliable for what you're supposed to do and being able to do it consistently
1: sounds like a recipe for success i mean this is probably off book from where lorenda wants to go (laughs) stefan but as a but as a basketball player, you know, so often I would get frustrated by defensive breakdowns, what my teammates were doing or not doing. And I know when I watch uh, collegiate soccer, the highest levels, the goalkeeper is a communicator. They are, you know, for lack of, they're a quarterback. So what happens, right, when you talk about, I know you may have been speaking about physical reactions, but your emotional reactions when your teammates are breaking down or missing their assignments, how do you keep yourself, like, both in the quarterback position also regulated emotionally to not get so frustrated and lose focus?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's – you kind of, when I was in Chicago, the coach liked to say, you have to stop the dominoes and whoever, who, you know, if you have to be the guy that stops the mistakes from happening, because that's how goals, one mistake doesn't lead to a goal. It's mistake after mistake, after mistake, and somebody not stopping that that avalanche or the dominoes. Like you said, you, when I'm on the field, I am almost an extension of the coach because I can see everything. So I I can see the players. I can see more than they can see. So I'm, I'm helping them. I'm coaching them. And if things break down and I'm there to save them, fantastic. But then the next step is get them back in the game, get their heads right, and stop it from happening again. It is it's a very mentally demanding position. And and emotionally, you have to have a very short-term memory. Speaking of basketball, Jay Billis uh, has a fantastic book on mental strength. And that was one of the first books I read. And he he talks about, I can't remember if it was that book or another book, but they talk about in you know in, in golf, because that's that's a game. You had a bat you had a shot you have five minutes to are hitting the next shot. So you can be in your head about it. And that's another one where you can get an avalanche of mistakes. But once you have that shot, if you hit a bad shot, blame something else. Blame the grass, the wind, something. You you can't lose confidence in that moment. When when you're in those pivotal moments, you have to be confident. And blame it on something else, whatever it is, so that you're confident in the next shot. And then after the round, after the, the final whistle, then you go back, you analyze, what did I do wrong there? And but in the moment you have to be so short term and it's having a trigger whatever saying something to yourself you know a slap on the leg or something whatever it is something to get you back and and one of the things my other coaches like to say is every action in a game has you put it in a trash can put it in the trash can for later good action goes in the trash can because if you're overconfident then then you may do something that you're not able to do. Bad action, put it in the trash can because you can't your your confidence cannot waver and you can't second guess yourself. And so it's that short-term memory and and always being focused on whatever this play is. Because this ball, like whatever ball is coming at me, whatever it is, that play is the most important play of the game. So I think that's that's, that's one of the really ways. In-
1: that's terrific. It sounded like a little bit of Bob Rutella, how champions think, like a little bit of looking at golfers jack nicholas like i think they ask him you know what happened on that shot and 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 he and and he's like what are you talking about i made the shot and they said no i'm sorry mr nicholas you you." it was either jack nicholas or greg norman but he said no i made it and so uh the person didn't want to disrespect him but they walked away (laughs) like is this guy delusional or something (laughs) And, and it's similar to what you're saying it's that he immediately after the match mentally goes back and corrected the technique or the form or what he needed to do. So it's always imperfection. It's always like, I'm not going to live in this place of stress, tension, beating myself up because yeah. like you said, you fall off, you use the term avalanche a few times. Once i go down that cliff, it's dangerous. Exactly. It's, dangerous. It's, a, <laughs> it's
0: a really great visual for disaster. Thank you for
1: that's that. It. That's, <laughs> it. that's it, that's it, We got the metaphors.
2: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, it is, there's a time and place for analysis and a time and place for just having, you know, the shortest-term memory possible, efficient memory, and you have to get on to the next play.
0: Yeah, and we say live in the moment. You know, we hear live in the moment. It's the thing to live in the moment, right? But to live in the moment is a whole
1: different thing. Yeah, yeah we, and so it, we see it all the time, right? I mean, teams are up 1-0, 89th minute, and, like, you get too confident, you make one mistake, and all of a sudden, you know, team loses it.
2: Yeah, and the one thing, like, golf is a great sport to compare to because everybody thinks about the final putt on 18 on Sunday. But the putt on the second hole on Thursday – it's one stroke as well. It, it, it it all counts the same. And so at that moment, you can't be, you can't look ahead of it. You can't look behind because you are where you are and, and you have to do your best with, with that action.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, let's go. You played for Chicago for a couple of years Mm -hmm. and now uh, the Sounders and you're, you're still uh, playing with them for a year, right? You've been on their team for a year.
2: Yes. Yeah. This this is my first year here. Um, Yeah. We're in full um, in the full swing of season now.
0: Yeah. Very good. So tell me a little tell us a little bit about the team, the different teams, you got two teams in terms of, you know, differences in terms of leadership and or players or uh, cities you lived in what get, give us and our listeners sort of a back and forth of how it was has been for you your experience.
2: Yeah, so. In Chicago, I, I got drafted there as my first, you know, as kind of like dream come true moment in my life, you know, becoming a, a professional soccer player, signed my first contract. We were really good my first year. Uh, we had Bastion Schweinsteiger, who is like one of the world's best soccer players like ever. He came that year and he was there for three years, but he was, he was very, very good that year. We had a lot of success and there, there were a lot of new pieces in the club for whatever reason. I think. There were yeah, just not a not a ton of longevity between the players, the staff, the GM. Like the owner had been there for a while, but pretty much everybody beyond the owner had only been there for two, three years. Mm -hmm. And I think so after that first year, we it was kind of a roller coaster of a year. We were really, really good in the middle, and that we kind of rode that into playoffs and then lost the first round of playoffs. But then the next two years, we really struggled, didn't make playoffs, and the the biggest thing i noticed when coming to the sounders was the longevity and the culture that is established within the locker room within the coaches within everybody the GM has been here for a while but the the head coach he was an assistant coach for a number of years before he became the head coach back in 2016. the two of the assistant coaches here uh before they became coaches the other the goalkeeper coach played in seattle is grew up in seattle the culture that is established here is you come in and you know what you're expected and it's not it's not necessarily a melding of of ideas yeah the 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 culture set the values are you know cemented into the team and so when somebody (laughs) new comes in It is, it's, you know, here's who we are. Um, This is the standard that we have and we win here. And the the Sounders have been so incredibly successful uh, the last, over the last several years. I mean, since they came into the league in 2009, I believe. But every, they've been so successful and there's no question as to why. It's the culture and the hard work that it's a very driven, driven community. Uh, And I, I think that was the biggest difference in from Chicago where it was people, you know, they were kind of create, trying to create something new, just because it was a lot of new pieces. It's just, you know, to no fault of anybody, um, just a lot of new pieces. And, you know, the, the culture, the leadership was all kind of like a little wishy-washy and just, and just what, what we are. Cause it's, you can't, you cannot just say, this is the culture here. It is. You have to, you have to create it and it has to be, it's a long process. And I think that is one of the biggest differences for me.
0: Yeah, and um, I don't know that we've ever asked that question, Richard, but it's uh, a really important one, players, like, you know, what's kind of the philosophy or what's the soul in a weird way?
1: No, and you see, I've heard stories, the culture up in Seattle, like the the, the tailgate for the whole downtown right prior to a game. And I'm sure you're looking forward to getting some of that. I don't know if any of that is still happening right now. Obviously, the the COVID (laughs) reality without fans, like uh very different to stay motivated it, it, you know but having an entrenched culture helps endure through changing times
2: absolutely and and when it gets tough and you know inevitably it does get tough uh but when it gets tough you you know players step up and players say okay i'm going to work i'm going to work for you i'm going to work for you know the guy next to me and we all work for each other and and there's no there's no big personalities that think you know i'm better than you i don't have to work for you everybody everybody does their part and you know anybody working together is always going to be better than a bunch of individuals. So,
0: how do you like living in Seattle? Are you living in Seattle? I assume.
2: Yeah, yeah, I live. Yes. I live ju- just north of downtown. I don't. So I don't live right in the in the thick of it. Um, yeah. But I, I love where I live. I got in my apartment like one or two days before everything shut down. Oh. Um, so. <laughs> It's been a, uh, it's been a unique year in Seattle. I mean, it's been a unique year everywhere. Um, but I think, but in terms of cities to be during a, a year like this, Seattle's fantastic. You know, there's so much to do outside um, yeah. the summers. Right. Summers are great. So much water, so much, you know, so many hiking options. I, I really, really enjoy Seattle. Yeah. Very good.
0: Okay. Great. Um, And I'd love to know, like in your plane, you know, you haven't played for years and years, but in your plane, um, is there a story that stands out, either something from a coach or something from a player or an experience you had um, on the field uh, that you could share with?
2: You? Yeah, I think so in 2018, my yeah, my second year as a pro, I, did, I did played zero games. I went on loan a little bit my first year, but I didn't play any games for the fire in Chicago my first year. And then in 2018, at the beginning of the season, there were a few injuries and I was... I was like very, very close to playing. And then our last preseason game, I made, um, I made kind of a bad mistake. It was a bad mistake. I made a bad mistake.
1: And, um,
2: and they kind of like, kind of rushed somebody back from injury. And I ended up not playing at the beginning of the year. And I was so frustrated because I was like, you know, this is going to be, this is a great start to the year. I'm going to play. And then kind of in the middle, you know, May, June performances, were a little up, up and down. So I was like, yeah, I, I think I should play. I've been training well. I really deserve to play. And I, I still wasn't playing. You know, I had, I just hadn't gotten that opportunity. The coach hadn't given me the nod yet. And I was really close to the goalkeeper coach. And he was saying, listen, you have to be patient. Your time will come visualize, like imagine the game so that when you play the game, you are ready. Imagine, like, sit on the training field and imagine fifty thousand fans, however many stands around you. Imagine yourself making the saves. Visually visual, visualizations are a massive thing for him. And then finally, I got my opportunity in August, or July or August of that year, and I, I played well. But it was I felt so prepared. Um, I, I was so prepared because. You know, I I did what he said, and I felt like I had been there before. It did not feel like my first MLS game. And I think that was so vital in in the preparation and in not, you know, having the nerves that a lot of guys feel. Because as a goalkeeper, you know, as a field player, you can sub on for the last five minutes of game, make your debut, whatever. As a goalkeeper, you're... Unless there's an injury, you're starting and you're in there. If you make a mistake, you're dealing with it. (laughs) Because so it's, it's, it was, it was a bit nerve wracking, but I was so confident that I was ready. And like we talked about the mental strength, just seeing it and being there before. And in the interview after the game, that's what I said is like, you know, this was an amazing experience, but. I've done this in my mind a thousand times. This is not the first time I've done this. And I think that lesson was was so critical and that advice from him was was so important because, you know, you train, you train, you train and nothing's like a game. But if you can get as close to replicating the game as possible, that's the best you can do. And, and that's giving yourself the best chance at success.
1: So that's the hardest thing, you know, that we're trying to like talk to athletes here and talk to athletes going through transition to go from playing at, you know, division one soccer and continuing on and playing, uh, abroad and then professionally, and to go from, you know, being right, like the cornerstone always in goal to being on the bench and not knowing, um, how was that for you? Right. As a young man to handle that transition and, and how did you, you cope with the uncertainty to stay ready?
2: It's tough. It, it's very difficult because even now as, you know, a fourth year pro, I'm, you know, I'm the second string goalkeeper. So I am on the bench every game, but if something happens in the 89th minute or in the first minute of a game, I, it's, it's, I'm going in. So I need to be ready at all points. But I also understood the position and understood that there's only one guy playing and it is a, a very experience-driven position, and you need these experiences. And coming in as a rookie, I was you know not expecting to play. I was ready to play if I needed to, but you have to manage your expectations because if you're expecting, 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 and you're not you know getting that, it, all you're doing is getting frustrated. And undoubtedly, there are frustrations, and I was very frustrated at points. But it's managing the frustration and understanding it and how am I rerouting that negative energy into driving me to be better in training or to be more. Um, So it, it was very, very frustrating and but understanding the patience and trusting that I will get my opportunity and when that opportunity does come. I have to seize it is what is what got me through it and when the opportunity came out you know I did seize it and that was um, I think that was the biggest relief because you always hear you're going to get your opportunity but how often do you know do people get their opportunity and they just they're not ready for it so trusting it and being ready for it are you know a critical combination if you'd like to listen more please
1: click on the link for making the jump located in the show notes so you can get access to all of the shows and their complete recordings. This is Richard Listens,
0: and I'm out.